The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novos Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovosOrdoWatch.org. That's NovosOrdoWatch.org. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to From the Pulpit on the Restoration Radio Network. This weekly show will be a presentation of the most informative sermons, conferences, and lectures from Catholic clergy on critical topics for Roman Catholics to find their way and to hold their faith during this horrendous crisis, the reality and growth of the modernist heresy, which surrounds and threatens to engulf faithful Catholics. From the Pulpit is underwritten by True Restoration, with articles, books, and videos available for purchase and download at truerestoration.org. And while a portion of the operating costs of the radio network are underwritten by True Restoration, our particular show is truly listener-supported. We have annual radio subscriptions for the subscriber of every level, available by clicking the donate button at truerestoration.org. Restoration radio programs, including this one, are available on blogtalkradio.com slash restorationradio and are syndicated on iTunes and Stitcher. You can follow the work of True Restoration on all social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Flickr, LinkedIn, and Pinterest by following us using the social buttons on truerestoration.org. Today we end the 2013 season of From the Pulpit with the same guest who began the season, His Excellency Bishop Donald Sanborn, Rector of Most Holy Trinity Seminary in Brooksville, Florida. His Excellency will deliver two sermons which sum up all of our focus on the month of November in the Church's liturgical year, Time and Death. These two sermons are superb meditations for reflecting on how short our time on this earth is, how we spend it, and what will eventually happen to all of us as our lives wind down and we finally cross the threshold of death, leaving time and entering eternity. In his usual fashion, His Excellency brings these realities, as harsh as they may be, to us in a manner that should reduce all of us to silent reflection and fervent prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. It is hard to believe that another year has gone by since the New Year's Day of 2002. This is especially true for those who get older. The uh, young child does not sense the passage of time as much as an older person. But as they become teenagers and gradually get into their 20s, they are surprised to realize how quickly the year has gone. And as you get older and older, you know that the years go faster and faster. And that should make us realize just how close death is. We don't have many more years to go. And even young people should think about this. Even if we give ourselves the average age, even if we say, well, we'll last until 75. That is not much. And there's no guarantee that we are going to last until 75 or 80 or 85, whatever 
the Social Security Administration should allot to us. There's no guarantee. There are many people who thought they would be celebrating New Year's Day today who are in their graves. The people who were murdered in Livonia. The people who were shot by the sniper. Who had no idea, no premonition at all that they would be in their graves for this New Year's Day. Other many people, what is it, 40 or 50,000 people who die on the road every year. Many of them young people, many of them drunk, or the victims of those who are drunk. It happens all the time. It happens every day. And so we don't know. And so the first thing to think about today is the fleeting aspect of time. It goes quickly and we don't have long and the reality of the particular judgment is before us. We all go to that point. We all go in a passage from this life to the world of the dead. An immense world composed of everyone who has ever lived from the time of Adam and Eve through the time of the Egyptians and the Mesopotamians, the Greeks and the Romans, the people in the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, and all parts of the world. The world of the dead. And it consists of heaven, hell, and purgatory. And there are billions of people in this world. And our passage to that world can be very quick because our grip upon time in this world is very fragile. It can happen in a moment without any premonition that we go into the world of the dead and to pass into that world of the dead we must pass by the particular judgment. And that particular judgment determines our fate for the rest of eternity. And so this marking of time today is very important. We should also consider the unimportance of earthly time. We tend to think of the events of our time as very important, when in fact they're not. If we step back and look at history, just like flesh, the events of time fade away like dust. They become very unimportant. An emperor or a king who is in a certain time very important, very glorious, commands a great deal of respect, becomes nothing, is forgotten with the passage of a few hundred years. He's nothing. Kingdoms that have great empires, are nothing in a few hundred years. Earthly events really are not very important. But we tend to give importance to these things. We tend to give too much importance to our loved ones. We certainly must love those whom we are bound to love. But we have a tendency to expect from them things that they cannot give. To expect from them 
happiness in this life that they cannot give us. Even if they were perfect, they cannot give us these things. Because we are made for God and our heart can rest only in God. But what almost always happens is that they are not perfect, and neither are we. And they fail to pass the test of time. For one reason or another, either due to human weakness and failure, or because of mere separation, lack of communication, our loved ones do not pass the test of time. How often the priest sees people come to the communion rail to be married and in the full flower of emotion, of love for each other. And then in a few short years later, the only thing that they can say to each other is, I hate you. I wish that you never existed. I wish that you never came into my life. I wish you were dead. And divorce comes. And all of the ravages of divorce. This happens time and time again. Because human beings fail. What makes a perfect marriage is the perseverance of love. Just like the heat in your house. The fact that you had heat yesterday doesn't help you today if your furnace is not working. The fact that you had food yesterday is a wonderful thing, but it doesn't help you today if you have no food. And so the human love, the human love of spouses and of other loved ones, requires perseverance through time. The fact that they loved you yesterday is nice, but they must also love you today, and you must love them. If it does not have that perseverance of time, it fails. And this causes us great unhappiness. Most of the unhappiness, if I were to sit and talk to each one of you, that you could tell me is owing to the failure of human beings to be what they should have been in your life. Or perhaps your own failures, which caused other failures. But in most cases, it's, it's that which is the source of unhappiness. And you are probably too attached to those things. Because human feeling, human love, does not ordinarily pass the test of time. It often happens that those whom we love a great deal with the passage of time merely forget about us. It happens. And so there is a single importance of earthly time. And that is how we progress in the love of God. How we progress in our spiritual lives. And that brings us to the next point, which is the proper use of time. Time is given to us for a single purpose, which is the glorification of God. That's the only reason why we exist. And we glorify God by the sanctification of our souls. And we sanctify our souls 
by the faithful performance of our duties of state and life, whatever they should be, by the observance of the commandments of God, and by a fervent prayer life which includes the reception of the sacraments. The proper thing to do today, therefore, is an examination of the use of time over the past year. Questions that you should put to yourselves today are these. Am I too attached to earthly time and not mindful of eternity? You should die every day. You should go before the judgment seat of Christ every day and be mindful of eternity. Do I attach too much importance to earthly things or people? Have I progressed or regressed in the spiritual life in the past year? For it is one or the other. There is no standing still in the love of God. You either progress or you regress. With every act that you perform, you either progress or regress. Everything. A mere act of walking. An entertainment. It is either right or wrong. It is a progress or a regress or regression. Have I become more fervent or less fervent in my prayers, the reception of the sacraments and devotions? Think about your distraction in prayer. Think about the frequency of your reception of the sacraments and the fervor that you have in receiving the sacraments the purpose of amendment that you have and the strength of it in the sacrament of penance. That's a very strong sign of your spiritual life. Have I become less observant of the commandments of God? Do I transgress the law of God more than I did a year ago? Have I become lax in the performance of my duties of state in life? And a, a very good question. How much time in the year 2002 did I spend in the state of sanctifying grace? And am I in the state of sanctifying grace now? in this new year as time ruthlessly marches on and waits for no man am I now in the state of sanctifying grace how was 2002 spent with regard to the glory of God was my soul dead for the bulk of that year Very good question. Time is cruel. 
Look at what it does to your bodies. It is a good meditation for young people to occasionally walk through and visit the elderly in a nursing home and to contemplate what will happen to them with the ravages of time. They were all once vibrant, intelligent young people. And with time, they are now reduced to not being able even to see for themselves in the most basic things. It is a wonderful meditation. Priests occasionally must visit the elderly. It is a wonderful meditation. Time is cruel. And we must respect it. And it is given to us for a reason. The Christian Happy New Year is a year that is full of God's blessings, both spiritual and temporal. But we cannot honestly ask for the blessing of God in our undertakings and for his protection from evil unless we ourselves are seriously striving to love him and glorify him more with the passage of time. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We hope you are enjoying tonight's episode of From the Pulpit. Be sure to visit truerestorationmedia.com to view our available streaming videos for purchase and direct download. These purchases will help us continue to bring you the best content and show guests in the Catholic world today. And now we present the continuation of tonight's program. Father, and of the Son, of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It is appropriate during this month of November, and especially this first part of it, that we should turn our thoughts to death, for it is a certitude that we will all die, and that our everlasting joy or woe depends upon the condition of our souls when we die. If we should die in the state of mortal sin, we will go directly to hell. If we should die in the state of sanctifying grace, if our love of God is perfect, we go to heaven. If our love of God is imperfect, that is, if there is venial sin on the soul, or if there is temporal punishment due to past sins, or if there is an inordinate attachment to the things of this world, then we must face the fires of purgatory. The place and hour of our death has already been determined by divine providence. God sees 
past, present, and future the way you are now seeing the present moment. For him, it is before his eyes. When you will die, how you will die, it is all foreseen and appointed. A hundred years from now, all of us who are now in this chapel will have passed into eternity. And each one of us will be happy in heaven or tormented either in purgatory or in hell. And if we are horrified to learn that someone has a terminal disease, we should realize that we all have a terminal disease. The disease of original sin, which has merited for us the sentence of death. And from these considerations, it is easy to see that we should be preoccupied in our daily existence with preparation for death. Death is so certain and the consequences of it are so final that only an insane person would not be preoccupied with a preparation for a good death. Living this life could be compared to being on an ocean liner which is certainly going to the bottom like a piece of lead with no survivors. And what should the passengers do in that case? Should they play? Should they dance? Should they engage in revelry and pleasures? Rather, should they not busy themselves in the preparation for the final moment? And so also we. We should die every day. We should think of ourselves on our deathbeds, taking our last breath, surrounded perhaps by loved ones, as is mostly the case when people die. Or we should think of ourselves in a terrible accident in which life is taken from us very unexpectedly and very violently, where we will not come home that day, but rather there will be a telephone call with some very bad news. This we should do every day, for these are realities. There are people who have today gotten up from their beds, but who will be tonight in a morgue. There will come a day when you will not see the night, and there, or there will come a night when you will not see the morning. Time waits for no man. Just as Christmas comes, or just as the day comes when a woman has her baby, a day indeed of great expectation, but it comes, it arrives. There's a day when it happens. And so also there will be a day when our death will happen, and it could even be today. 
as you speak of your deceased relatives, so your relatives will speak of you one day. And just as you hear the death about the death of your friends and acquaintances, so others one day will hear about your death. And you will be in eternity. And just as you pass by cemeteries and see the neglected graves of people long dead, so your grave will be one day neglected and forgotten in an old cemetery. Your name anonymous and meaningless, even to those who are of your posterity, you will be a fleshless name that no one knew at least among the living. If the bodies in these graves could speak, they would say as we pass by, what we are, you will soon be. We could say the same of the photographs of our deceased loved ones that we have around the house. What we are, you will soon be. And how much hangs in the balance of that last moment of life. If you truly believe the gospel of Christ, if you truly believe in heaven and hell and purgatory, in the judgment which you will face from God after you pass from this life to the next, if you truly believe in all of these things, then why do you not use all of the means in your power to secure for yourself a happy death. Imagine yourselves to have now just died and to have now just entered eternity. What would you wish that you had done in this life? What preparation should you have made for such an event? If you wish to die a happy death, then think of yourself in your grave or upon your deathbed. Think of yourself as drawing your last breath. And if your conscience is reproaching you for anything now, if there is anything on your soul now, realize that at the moment of death, the sting of that conscience will be practically unbearable as you go before your judgment. If there is any unconfessed sin, if there are any attachments to worldly things or vanity or pride, if there is any restitution of goods to be done, these things will bring to you a sinking fear as you approach the door of eternity and judgment. And how will those people feel who have spent nearly their whole lives in the state of mortal sin? Who have wallowed in the filth of impurities day in and day out 
What will they expect from God as they appear before this judge who is now to render judgment and not mercy? The image of the dying worldling is terrifying. His worldly friends and relatives will not call the priest. They will not even think about it. They will try to make his last moments comfortable by reassuring him absurdly that he will recover. They will try not to upset him. And in the meantime, this worldling will be breaking into a cold sweat of fear as he approaches the finality of death and the endlessness of eternity. And little by little, he will feel life leave his limbs, his senses, until he can no longer see and no longer move. But right up to the end, he will have his hearing. And although he appears to be a corpse, he will hear his very relatives speak of him as dead. Unless this man should receive an extraordinary grace of final penitence from God, the weight of his sins will be overwhelming. And he will convince himself in despair that it is impossible for him to obtain the mercy of God and he will go to hell. But if we consider the death of a man who has prepared well during his whole life for that great moment, a very different picture appears. There is no fear, no terror of facing eternity and our Lord Jesus Christ. Rather, such a person is consoled by his faith and his hope that he is returning to his blessed Savior, whom he has known and whom he has loved his whole life, who has been the object of his daily prayers, who has been frequently received in the Holy Eucharist. He unites his sufferings and death with those of the Redeemer on the cross. He invokes the holy name of Jesus over and over again. He prays to our Blessed Lady, and St. Joseph, who is the patron of a happy death, to assist him in his last agony. He goes to God with the consolation of a good conscience, of having made good confessions, of having frequented the sacraments during his life, of having said his daily prayers, of having made reparation for temporal punishment due to sin, of having been faithful to the Holy Rosary of Our Lady, and to devotion to our Blessed Lady in general all during his life, and of having mercifully prayed for the repose of the souls in purgatory who will now help him for his mercy, the consolation of having fought off temptation by the grace of God and having fled the occasions of sin and of having quickly repented and confessed whenever he fell. That is a man prepared for death. He will have no fear.
no trouble to make an act of perfect contrition, even if he should be without the priest for some reason. And this act of perfect contrition will remit even mortal sin without confession. But if God wills that he should have the assistance of a priest, then he will be consoled by receiving the absolution of his sins, of receiving the holy viaticum on his tongue, of receiving the sacrament of extramunction, and of receiving the apostolic benediction, which grants a plenary indulgence at the moment of death. And he will be surrounded not by worldlings who will try to convince him that he's not dying, but rather those of his own faith who will pray the rosary with him and for him. And he will hear the priest say consoling words from the ritual for those who are dying. And when the priest says these words, and after you have been absolved and refreshed by the Holy Eucharist, what is there to fear in death? Sure, there is the separation of soul and body, but this must come for all. And in fact, those who have lived a long life are ready for that. For their bodies are telling them day after day that they can no longer go on. And they have lived a long life here and have seen the effects of original sin in themselves and in society. They have seen their own weaknesses and the weaknesses of other people. They have seen how much God has been insulted in this life, how much lack of faith there is, the coldness of so many souls toward the Sacred Heart. And they are truly, if they are pious, tired of this world. And they long to go to a world in which God is loved, adored, and glorified. A world of order and peace. Where everything is right and nothing is wrong. They want to return to a true home. To God and their Redeemer, to their Heavenly Mother, all of whom love us much more than anyone in this life even can love us. And instead of being the dreaded moment of our lives, death will be the greatest moment of our life. So if you are in the habit of sin, then now is the time to convert. Not tomorrow, but today. And make the rest of your life a holy preparation for death. If you are in the state of grace, then pray for the grace of perseverance. For without this, you cannot die well. Do not be caught in that awful hour of death with works that merit the eternal death of hell, but rather with a lifetime of works which will merit the eternal life of heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed, but more importantly, found informative and beneficial this week and this season's presentations of our show from the pulpit. 
It has been our aim this season to cover a wide variety of Catholic topics, some which coincided with the liturgical year, and some which were standalone conferences on topics which we felt to be critical. For more information on the Episcopal Ministry of Bishop Sanborn and Most Holy Trinity Seminary, you may write to him at the following, The Most Reverend Donald J. Sanborn, 1000 Spring Lake Highway, Brooksville, Florida, 34602. Donations to the seminary are always welcome, needed, and appreciated. We at the Restoration Radio Network would ask that if you have found this show during this season to be of value to you and your Catholic faith, that you would please consider making whatever donation is possible to our apostles, no matter how small it may be. To those of you who have donated to us this season, a heartfelt thank you for your kindness and generosity. It has truly helped. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to leave us a message on our Twitter handle, at TrueRestoration, or via email, mail at TrueRestoration.org. We will return next season, beginning in January of 2014, with another season of From the Pulpit. Until then, we wish all of our listeners and their families a blessed season of Advent, a Merry Christmas, and a joyous New Year. This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.